Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. So hello, hello. Thank you for joining me again on the Karma You podcast. I am speaking to Dr. Megan Rossi, who is a registered dietitian with an award-winning PhD in gut health. She's a leading research fellow at King's College London, and Dr. Rossi is currently investigating nutrition-based therapies in gut health, including pre- and probiotics, dietary fibres, low FODMAP diet, and food additives, as well as leading a gut health clinic on Harley Street. And she's the author of the brand new book, Eat More, Live Well. And we have a wonderful discussion all about, basically about her book and her research. Um, we talk about what it means when we say plant-based and why it's not always healthy. I have basically a plant-based diet. I'm vegetarian. I don't eat dairy, but I eat eggs. I don't know if there's a name for that, but mostly plant-based. And I've noticed how there's so many restaurants selling basically vegan junk food. And that's not what she's talking about here, but she's going to share what she means by plant-based and why it's so important for so many different aspects of our health, including our mental health. And I have to say, for me personally, I've noticed a massive difference. Or I've noticed a massive impact of my diet on my mental health. And it's almost like I, I want to be careful saying that because I know that that can be triggering for people who've maybe had issues around food in the past. But for me, I really noticed my diet makes a big difference to how I feel, to how happy I am, to how calm I am. And so, you know, if you've ever noticed that yourself, or if you're curious to learn more about this, this is the ideal episode for you. We talk about how you can train your taste buds to like healthier foods. We talk about why calorie counting doesn't work and why we should actually ignore calorie labels. And we talk about the gut immune axis and why that's so important in our health and how we can, you know, help support our immune system to be as good as it can be with our diet. Now, Megan is a really an expert on this topic. You know, there's a lot of people on Instagram talking about food, you know, pretending to be experts. Megan really is the real deal. And she really knows her stuff. And she has a great way of explaining things, makes it really simple, really accessible. So yeah, I hope you find this episode useful. So I wanted to invite you while you're here to a free event that I'm running on the 31st of January 2022. And it's my free anxiety masterclass. And on Zoom, over an hour and a half, we're going to gather and I'm going to share with you 
four simple steps that you can take to help you to overcome your anxiety and become your calmest self. And you're going to come away from this feeling calmer, feeling more excited about the future, having a sense that you've taken some action for yourself, that you're moving things forwards. And I'm going to be leading a group hypnotherapy session live, which if you haven't experienced it before, I'm so excited to share it with you because it really can shift things for you in a very short space of time. And you'll get to feel less alone when you realise that everyone else on the call you know, experiences the same things as you. And yeah, my intention is that you really come away from it feeling like it's the best hour and a half that you spent all year. <laughs> and so if you want to come, you can click the link in the show notes or you can head over to my website, karma-u.com forward slash anxiety and register for free. If you can't join live, there will be a replay being sent out so you can access that. But I'd love to see you there live. I'd love to see your face. I'd love to hear from you in the chat box and, you know, get to know you all a little bit. And so that website again, karma-u.com forward slash anxiety to register for this free anxiety masterclass. So let's get into the interview with Dr. Megan Rossi. Hello, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Yeah, good, Chloe. It's an absolute pleasure to be back here chatting to, to you about all things, hopefully, gut health. Yes, amazing. You've been on the podcast before when your first book came out. That was probably like, was that two years ago? When it was, we we did it in the Penguin offices in London, and now obviously we're we're doing this on Zoom, slightly different times. And I was just reflecting about when we first met, before either of us had written any books, before you know you had your massive Instagram. Even probably about four years ago, we met in Old Street for a coffee, and it seems like such a long time ago. But um, oh. it's amazing to see you know what you've done since then. Likewise, I think yeah, both of our careers have like completely not change but as in like you know they have gone in different slightly different directions which is exciting I think very very exciting so congratulations on your new book eat more live well I've had a pdf I'm looking forward to getting my hands on a physical copy and it is brilliant it's beautifully set out I remember this from your last book how it was set out and this one I think is even better it's really easy to read and and digest as you say the, the fun <laughs> and so much in there from science to just really practical advice and things that people can can get started with and simplifying these topics can you can you share a bit about what the book is about and what made you want to write this book yeah. So um, thank you for that feedback. I've just got my my physical copy and it's like, you know, holding your baby for the first time. It is very, very exciting. Um, but yeah, essentially I wrote Eat More, Live Well um, as a, I guess a follow-up from my first book, Eat Yourself Healthy, where I guess the focus of that was to help people get on top of their digestive symptoms. And then following that, people, you know, got thousands of uh, messages on social media, people saying, okay, that's great. My gut health, you know, has improved somewhat, but I want kind of more recipes, more understanding of how to really nourish my gut. So I guess if eat yourself healthy was more about getting on top of your digestive symptoms, eat more, live well, certainly zooms out and essentially speaks to everyone and anyone who wants to eat in a way that is better aligned based on the science with how their body and their gut microbes work. So essentially the science is saying that we all should be eating more plants. And it's really this concept where um, the, the science has, has led us just really in the last couple of years 
Uh, and it's where I developed what I call the diversity diet from. And there is you know, these five principles where I get you know, people to follow them and have seen firsthand in clinic how it's transformed people's lives in you know, very real and surprising ways. So it's not just about better gut health, but things like better mental health. You know, if people are going through the menopause, lower risk of hot flushes and things like that. And I guess people you know, new to this area don't necessarily understand, um, but there is hardcore science showing that how we nourish and treat our gut bacteria inside of us, you know, can mechanistically improve things like mental health because they are connected. And we've got the clinical trials now to show for that. It's so, it's so interesting. And I definitely want to hear more about, about that and the, the science behind how what we eat and our gut health can help our mental health. Can you, can you say what is the diversity diet then? Can you explain what that is? Yeah, well, it's certainly not about dieting. So it's about diet, i.e. food. So I think that's a really important one. So these five principles that it really underpins. The first one is eating mostly plants. And I think this is an important one because there is a lot of kind of myths out there that if we want to look after not just our gut health, but overall health, we have to go vegan, i.e. 100% plant-based. Now, that's not what the science is saying. The science is saying absolutely the base of our diet should be plants, um, hence the word plant-based, not plants only. What we choose to add on top of that is completely up to us. In fact, if we're just looking at health on its own, the science does suggest that adding some animal foods in like oily fish and fermented dairy may lower our risk of uh, different nutrition deficiencies. Now, I completely understand why someone might want to go vegan because of animal cruelty and religious reasons. But, you know, when we think about just health, going vegan doesn't actually mean we're any healthier. And in some cases could, could uh, you know, increase our risk if we're, if we're not really cautious of getting all the nutrients into our diet. So that's the first principle, mostly plants, not necessarily only plants. The second one is this concept of diversity all the way. So trying to get in as many different types of plants into our diet as we possibly can. And this is really founded um, or backed by the science, which shows that each different plant, and when I talk about plants, I'm not talking about just fruit and veg. I call them the super six. So these six different plant-based food categories. So you've got the whole grains, the nuts and seeds, um, obviously your fruit and veg, but also your legumes, your beans and pulses, and even your herbs and spices count. So there is, you know, a wealth of different flavor within this plant-based world that I think sometimes people don't realize. And what the science shows is that each different type of um, plant category actually delivers different types of nutrients, which not only nourish our body, but also nourish the gut bacteria. So instead of just going for the, you know, the same broccoli and bananas and apples, think about ways you can really diversify your diet. So get the steam mixed pack of vegetables. Um, instead of just having, you know, wheat or rice, why don't you get the packs that've got four different types of grains in it? And often they're not at any extra cost and extra effort. Um, and are available in most supermarkets nowadays if you just browse the aisle. So where you can think diversity, that's the second uh, principle. The third uh, principle is about inclusion, not exclusion. And, um, you know, I think this is an important one to touch on, particularly as we move into January, where uh, people are thinking, oh, I've got to go on a diet. I need to cut out all my favorite foods. But actually, that's not what the science says. You know, even if your goal is about weight management, or, you know, things like better heart health. Actually, the focus really is about what you're adding into your diet. So adding those extra plants, you don't necessarily have to cut out your favorite foods. And that's one of the things that, you know, I talk about a lot in um, Eat More, Live Well with the recipes is that I show how you can make some 
you know, easy, quick hacks to your favorite foods like Rocky Road. I've added in prebiotics there. So cut out the, the butter and the biscuits and added in popcorn and dark chocolate and chewy uh, dried fruit and all different types of roasted nuts. So you still get all of that delicious flavor, but you're adding extra plants there. So I think that is uh, something we need to keep in mind. Think about what you can add into your diet, not what you cut out of your diet. And also that um, mental kind of frame of mind around uh, a food is really important for building a relationship or maintaining a relationship with food. Because so many people I see in clinic, you know, because they've read headlines that certain foods are bad, they've actually got a really unhealthy relationship with food. And the science shows that that relationship alone can trigger things like bloating uh, and tummy upset, you know, irrespective of what you're actually eating. You know, and that comes down to the gut-brain axis, which I'm, I'm sure we'll go into. Um, the fourth principle um, is all about going for whole and not refined um, plants. And this is, uh, you know, a topic which has come from, you know, the, the fast food world where it's trendy to go vegan. So they've got these mock meats and the fake cheese and everything. And although they are plant-based, you can get plant-based croissants and, um, you know, potato chips that are plant-based, deep fried, they actually don't have all that nutrition that we know that whole plants actually have. So where you can making your own sort of chickpea burgers, again, recipes in the book to do that, and your own cashew cheese, again, it literally takes 10 minutes to make, really easy, tastes better as well. But it, what it does is contains all of those plant chemicals which feed your body versus the processed ones which have kind of had them all stamped out during the processing and also contain a lot of additives. And you know, at King's, we're doing some research looking at potentially some of the, the negative impacts of different food additives on our body. So we just need to be a bit more savvy around, I guess, how we approach um, a lot of these ultra-processed foods. And then the fifth and final principle is about taste, pause, and enjoy. And this is an important for the reason of it's not just about what we put into our body, but also how we eat that impacts things like our digestion, how much we're able to extract the nutrition out. So I think that is a really important one because at the end of the day, food should be enjoyed. You know, I hate it when I see people in clinic where they forgo their favorite foods and they just have really bland, like steamed veggies and think that they're doing good for themselves. And actually, you know, that's not the case um, because mm. we know the more diverse, the more flavor, but also the better relationship and, and kind of the better your mental health can be around food. Love that. Love those five principles. And I really like that you're talking about eating more and including things rather than cutting things out because it's it's it can be a really unhealthy mindset if we're cutting things out. I've had that experience myself of kind of cutting things out and then it's not very mentally healthy to be kind of, I don't know, if you beat yourself up, if you eat gluten or dairy, and then it can just cause us problems, I think, cutting things out. It's like our brains a lot of our brains, I think, are not very good at coping with with doing that. It's not very healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And we and the studies have shown that if you are cutting out any food groups, then actually that can have a negative impact on your gut bacteria because they love this diversity. So essentially you can starve them. And we know that people who've got better mental health, better heart health, you know, better overall health and, and well-being actually have a more diverse range of gut bacteria. So I like to think of them as kind of like these little Super, our superpowers within us and the more different types we have you know the better chance we have at you know you know fighting against the increased risk of mental health issues with COVID and even actually immune health there's really interesting research coming out linking 
the importance of our gut and immune health. So we call this the gut immune axis. So nourishing the gut has really measurable impacts on our immune strength. Mm, yeah, I definitely want to ask you more about that in a moment. I want to just go back to the, the vegan versus plant-based thing, because as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, veganism is no animal products at all. And it's got to do with the ethical aspects and kind of it being a lifestyle, whereas plant-based, maybe if you're plant-based, you eat mostly plants, but maybe sometimes you eat other things. Is that right? Well, I mean, historically, I think that's where the concept of veganism came from, but it now has turned into this trend. Um, And I, like I said, I understand for cultural and religious and obviously animal cruelty reasons why someone would want to go vegan. But, you know, in terms of the health aspect, that's obviously not necessary, as as I highlighted. In terms of, I guess, the word plant-based, again, I think there's a lot of myths around or misunderstanding of where the definition has come from. Um, and what it actually means. And people have different interpretations. So a lot of people, when they're talking about plant-based, actually they think it's vegan. Um, But the clue really is, I guess, in the name where the base of your diet is plants and whatever, like you said, you choose to add on top of that uh, really comes down to your your preferences. So you can, you know, be 100% plant-based or you can be 80% plant-based. You know, that really is up to you. Mm, yeah yeah it's interesting what you were saying as well before about how it's not always healthy to be vegan I've noticed because I've been a vegetarian my whole life and we'll quite often choose kind of vegan or vegetarian restaurants if we're going out but I'd say 50% of the vegan restaurants are kind of healthy kind of whole grain whole meal organic type restaurants and the other half are kind of vegan junk food restaurants where everything's deep fried everything's like trying to be something it's not which is not I don't know. I suppose people that have given up meat, maybe they have a craving for for those sorts of things. I've never eaten meat. So I'd, I'm like, why would you want to make something look like meat? That doesn't make any sense to me. But because yeah. if we're eating loads of those things, it's not actually healthier. You know, they could be deep fried. They could be really processed, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I've, I've got a case study on a, on a client that I had where she, like you were saying, went vegan because she'd read that it was better for health. And she thought, hey, look, I want to be really healthy. And um, I saw her in clinic about three months after she'd embarked on her um, her vegan diet and she had gained quite a lot of weight. Her skin had broken out and her mood had really reduced. And I was like, oh gosh. So I looked at her food diary, compared it pre and post. So pre-vegan uh, and while she was vegan. And absolutely, you could see the nutrition density of her diet was much reduced on this, you know, vegan diet because she was doing things like having the mock meat, having the the fake cheeses, thinking, hey, they're based on plants, they must be better for me. Then actually, if she was looking at how she was eating before, yes, she was having some animal foods, but actually most of the food she was having was very wholesome, using like chickpeas and lentils as her base of meals, often made with a little bit of meat in there. And so what we did, I, you know, I said to her, I explained to her where the evidence was at. I said, understand if you want to continue to be vegan for, you know, animal, animal cruelty reasons, et cetera. Um, but hey, why don't we switch out the fake meats? And actually, you know, you have things like silken tofu, which actually, you know, makes the most amazing creamy texture. I use that in a lot of my recipes available literally from most mainstream supermarkets, fairly cheap. And, you know, things like the cashew cheese. Um, Anyway, in the end, she decided to actually, you know, start to include some animal foods back into her diet. But she lost that extra weight uh, plus a little bit more. Her skin went back to normal 
And mentally, she said that she felt better than she'd ever felt before. So yeah, I think the proof is important, right? Mm, That's really interesting. Really interesting. In the book, you talk about getting 30 plant-based points each week. Can you say what that means? And 30 sounds, I don't know, does it sound like a lot? But but I think I think what you teach is that it's actually quite easy to incorporate that. Yeah, look, it, it does from the outset. You go, oh God, but like I mentioned, the the plant-based groups, there is that super six. So think of your different whole grains, your nuts and seeds, your beans and pulses, your fruit, your veg, and even herbs and spices count. So things like dark chocolate, you get a quarter of a point. So, hey, um, nice, and actually nice. it's really easy, you know, just add, add a teaspoon of mixed seeds here, you get four points. Um, instead of just getting maybe chickpeas, get the four bean mix, you get an extra three points. So actually it's really attainable to get to your, um, your 30 points. In fact, in the book, I've got these different types of menu plans those for um, people with sensitive tummies, those who um, lead busy lives, those for family feasting. And actually each of those menu plans deliver about 70 plant points a week without being, I price match them without costing more or having to buy extra ingredients. It's just that mindset when you go to the store, trying to get the, the options where there's diversity already in the packet. So like the mixed seeds, the mixed nuts, the mixed nut butters, all of that sort of stuff. So just think mix wherever you can and you'll be smashing the plant points. Um, but I guess if, if you want the science, because I know you love the science, uh, that number 30 actually came from a scientific study which showed people who had at least 30 different types of foods per week had better gut health than those who had only 10 different types. So still ate plenty of plants, but ate the same sort of 10 on repeat, which I think a lot of us can fall into. I mean, before I was you know, really on top of all the research, I used to kind of just recycle the same Ocado order um, and, you know, just have it by and things like that. But actually when you start to change your mindset, it's, it's really easy to start diversifying things out. Yeah. I love that. There's also science behind that as well. Cause I'm sure, I don't know if we spoke about this last time, but uh, I'm sure that like the thing of five a day, there wasn't actually evidence for that. It was just kind of what's attainable. What can we, we don't want to put yeah, people just like this saying, marketing campaign. I know and completely <laughs> ignored. I mean, that's very outdated now because it completely ignored the importance of the diversity, the science around our gut microbiota, which is a landmark scientific discovery. And, you know, every week we're learning more and more about how these microorganisms within us, literally trillions of them, are doing things like influencing our hormones, producing vitamins, you know, communicating with our brain, et cetera. When you're talking about things like beans and lentils, if someone's not used to eating those foods, if maybe they are more used to having the, maybe the more processed foods or yeah, food out of a packet, is it possible to sort of train our taste buds to, to, to dislike those foods and to like the other foods? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Again, I have a case study literally about one of my clients. Um, he was an A&E reg, so a medic. He never really liked plants that much. He understood obviously the science behind eating more plants. Um, but he came to see me with his wife actually, because they wanted um, to get pregnant. And his wife had read that actually it's not just her nutrition that you know may have a role, but also the hubby's or the partner's nutrition. And he was on board with that. Um, and actually he just lost his his dad to um, diet-related heart disease. So he was, you know, motivated to make some changes. Um, but one of the things he said to me at the start is, I just don't like plants. Like I've tried 
And I said, look, I completely understand that, but trust me, I've done it with my own husband before who used to be very much only meat. Um, your taste buds actually do change. In fact, they regenerate every um, 10 or so days. So over time, you know, they can start to, you know, change. But anyway, the proof is in the pudding again. So we went through, I, I slowly started to increase more plants, but also didn't have like boring broccoli. I made sure if he was having something like broccoli, it was like roasted with garlic and soy. So it tasted really nice. Things like Brussels sprouts he hated, but I turned it into a Brussels sprout pesto with walnuts and pine nuts, a little bit of garlic. So, you know, it's often about how you really dress the plants. And that's Mm -hmm. something I deal a lot with in the book in terms of really simple hacks to make plants really taste good and enhance their flavor instead of them being perceived as boring. But anyway, so slowly um, he started to increase more uh, into into his diet. And then I didn't see him for about a six-week gap. Uh, and then I saw him again in clinic and he he said to me, Megan, you'll never believe what happened. I said, what? And he's like, well, I was having a really hard had day, um, like an all-nighter at, at um, work, so any reg. And, you know, I often used to treat myself to um, to a Big Mac when that happens. So on my way home at 4 a.m., I used to go and stop in through the drive-thru. So, so I did that. And when I bit into that burger, I was actually disappointed that it didn't give me that same buzz, that same flavor buzz that it used to. I was like, what is this? So, I mean, that's just an anecdote, uh, but we do mm-hmm. have the science around how our taste buds change and regenerate. In fact, actually, another example is with the the cereal industry. So we know historically cereals were really high in salt. And over a period of around 10 years, um, the big guys reduced by, I think it was like 300 tons of salt in our breakfast cereals. And we actually didn't notice because they gradually started to reduce it. So just another example of how actually our taste buds um, do change. And, you know, if we let them essentially... This episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by my online course, Your Calmest Self. It's a course that gives you the tools to manage your anxiety without having to quit your life, move to an island and meditate for 10 hours a day. So this course is for you if you're somebody that constantly worries about what other people think of you. You hold yourself back from setting big goals because you're anxious and overwhelmed and unable to move forward with things. It's for you if you flop into bed every night exhausted by another anxious day, wishing you could just switch off and relax. It's for you if you don't speak up about things because you're nervous about getting it wrong or what people will say, whether they'll judge you. And it's for you if you've got a loud inner critic that puts you down all the time and stops you from doing the things that you want to do in your life. If this sounds like you, I'm here to help you change that. In this online course for anxiety, your karma self, I teach you the tools and techniques to become a calmer and more confident version of yourself. I use powerful hypnotherapy recordings and exercises from cognitive behavioral therapy, NLP, positive psychology, and more. If you'd like to live an anxiety-free life of confidence and calmness, come and take a look at my course at karma hyphen you.com forward slash program so it's karma you.com forward slash program yeah that's awesome and that sounds delicious broccoli with garlic and soy sauce and brussels sprouts with pesto that sounds really good i'm definitely gonna have to <laughs> look at more of the recipes i've got a few in mind that i'm gonna make already but definitely gonna experiment with that you so you touched on before the 
gut immune access. Okay, what, what is that? What is that? Yeah. What do you mean by that? So I think, you know, first things first, what are we talking about when we talk about the gut? So actually it's this nine meter long digestive tract that delivers food from entry all the way to exit. So we each have this nine meters of tubing essentially um, coiled within us. Now that's what gut health is. Now along that nine meters actually lays 70% of our immune system. So we certainly know, and we see in the scientific studies that people who have better gut health also have stronger immune systems. In particular, we know that the gut bacteria, which lives along that nine meter digestive tract, particularly in the lower part, and we call the scientific name for that is the gut microbiome. So the gut microbiome is thought to really have a, a strong impact on our immune system. There is actually really fascinating research coming to the forefront around COVID-19 uh, and showing that Gut health, having good gut health is not going to prevent you from getting it, but the studies do suggest that if you get COVID-19 um, and have good gut health, it reduces your chance of becoming severely unwell with symptoms. You know, there are some pilot studies underway looking at specific probiotics in the actual alongside standard medical therapy and actually reducing the risk of pneumonia in those who, who do develop a severe case of COVID-19. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, again, just as an anecdote, I like to share, you know, my husband is a NHS uh, GP. So, you know, when was it? 2020 when it, COVID first came out in like February. I remember reading it and thinking, oh my God, like Thomas is doing home visits with all these like vulnerable people while everyone else was isolating. He was out there seeing people still. And I was like, I need to do whatever I can. And at King's, I'd actually started working from home. So I, um, had a bit of a bit of time on my hands. So I really delve into the research looking at how we could bolster the immune system because I wanted to make sure his diet and lifestyle were packed and actually emerged like seven days later with an action plan, which is pretty much underpinned by the diversity diet because, you know, gut health and immune system go hand in hand. Um, and what I did was just, you know, really simple ways because I was still, you know, working full-time at King's and Thomas is obviously working crazy hours, but made sure I boosted his diet with as many different types of plants from all things plant-based food groups. So I don't want to name drop products, but Tesco actually have a really brilliant product. It's got, um, it's called the nine grain mix and it's, it's super, super affordable, so cheap. Um, and it's got nine different grains in it and takes 10 minutes to cook. So instead of having the rice, I just cooked that for him as the base of his meal to get in that diversity. Um, like I said before, instead of just having things like cauliflower, you know, I'd get the seven or not seven, I think it's more like four different types of um, steamed veggies in the pack and add that to the grains. Um, so wherever I could, I, I was just adding in extra plants. And actually in um, Eat More Live Well, I have these one minute snacks, which again, add more extra plants. And they were literally what I used to get him have it work so I would make them and put in these little lunchbox I'm not a domesticated goddess I never make him any food but I knew that was really important because <laughs> he wasn't going to do it himself to get on top of it and you know what we found out that actually he did have COVID uh, he did get COVID because he had the the test once it came available but actually he got zero symptoms at all and he said you know what despite all the stress of work I actually feel better than I ever have through kind of this, the extra food or the extra plants that you've been given me. But also we did things like we went to bed at, at 10 o'clock each night. We were really strict about that. We did like five minutes of mindfulness, all the things we know nourish the gut and the immune system. So not just diet, but yeah, you know, I think it is important at this time where a lot of people are getting really scared and worried, you know, they've got the vaccine, but now they need to get the boosters. 
you know, there are lifestyle things we know we can do to put us in the best position that if we do get COVID, we can really try to protect ourselves as much as possible. And I guess not to, you know, drive the importance of, I guess, this invisible world, you know, our gut microbiome. But remember, COVID-19 is one type of virus. We actually have, you know, trillions of microbes, including some viruses in our gut. So think how powerful COVID-19 has been to the world. It's been devastating. Thankfully, most viruses and other microorganisms are really beneficial, but we shouldn't underestimate their potential. So it's just another reason why we should really be nourishing this community within us because it does have so much power and potential. And if we nourish it, it will look after us. If we neglect it, then it might not uh, you know, be as nice to us as it can be. I love that, that idea of it being a community within us. I love that. <laughs> kind of makes it sound... Yeah, obviously it is there helping us, but it is invisible, as you say. It's It can be maybe something that unless you have outward symptoms of gut disturbance, maybe you can really forget about it. So it's, it's so important to remind ourselves. And my gosh, like the work you're doing, if it can help with our immune system, how important is that? And it's it kind of surprises me. Like, Well, it doesn't surprise me that the government don't talk about this, but I feel like everyone needs to know this. Everyone needs to know like how important this is because we don't know what the next, what's the next next pandemic going to be. Um, I know. I mean, I think I wish I could get into the the government world because I think they're focused mm. on like anti obesity, count calories. It's just so the wrong way. It's not in line with the science. It's so backward thinking. You know, yeah. it's not what people should be doing to achieve you know stronger immune systems. You know, we do actually see that adding in plants, not counting calories, you know, if weight loss is your goal, actually does result in significant amounts of weight loss. And that's, we know, because the gut bacteria are very much linked with our immune, um, not immune system, but too, um, but our metabolism. So if people's goal is actually weight management, then actually all they need to do, according to science, is focus on the extra plants, the diversity they can add in and not fixate on counting calories, which scientifically we know is actually not that accurate. For example, almonds actually contain 30% less calories um, than it says on the packet. And, you know, that's a whole lot of science talk. I do refer to a bit of that in the book. Um, but, yeah, I think the whole world of, of calorie counting has been very much misunderstood. Another example, like a, a banana and a Kit Kat, same calories. But we know the banana not only keeps us fuller for longer, so we're less likely to go back for a second one. Um, it's got potassium in it for the heart health, prebiotics for the gut, um, and also has some serotonin in it. Uh, think of the Kit Kat, doesn't have any of that. So, yeah, it just, it's fascinating how they can get away with that. But one day I will get the message out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing a pretty good job of it so far. Yeah, going back to the calorie thing, I guess, I remember if I remember correctly from... I don't know if this is school or I studied food food science and nutrition um, at university, but they measure a calorie by burning a food and then seeing how how it raises the temperature of water. So that's got nothing to do with like how your body processes the food at all. I'm so <laughs> impressed with that. That's the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and we know that our like our digestive system is so intricate. It's so far from just burning a food. And um, actually we do malabsorb a little, a lot of the, the food in many cases and actually the bacteria metabolize it and, and therefore it kind of reduce the calorie quantity of that food. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's bizarre, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the mental health aspect of this. So 
I personally have found, and it almost feels a bit like when, when I talk about this, I don't talk about it that much, but it's almost like a little bit taboo sometimes to talk about what you eat and mental health, because I, I personally try to not have a lot of sugar. That doesn't mean I never have sugar, but I don't have like a lot of like chocolates all the time even though I ate some cake yesterday because on my boyfriend's birthday but anyway I try not to because well I've got some great recipes in there so you can still have your cake and eat it too it's just adding in extra plants like yeah I've got carrot cake just literally add in carrots add in quinoa as the base add in walnuts and then you've turned Mm -hmm. in you know a food that's very kind of treaty into one that still tastes delicious but also nourishes your body and gives back Okay, good. So adding in, yes, that's another thing to, yeah, another reminder of that. But it does seem to make a difference for me, not not having loads of junk food. It's not like rocket science, but it makes a difference to my mental health massively. What is the impact then? So how does that interact? How does the food we eat interact with our gut and then with our mental health? Yeah, I mean, I can totally relate, Chloe, because when, you know, I was studying dietetics back a decade plus ago, a little bit old now, um, we were very much taught that, yeah, maybe diet could have some role in mental health, but hey, let's not overstep um, where the, the evidence is at. So you'd be very cautious. So that's, you know, one of the reasons I think why there's this big taboo about it. But actually in 2017, there was a landmark uh, study, which you may be aware of, called the SMILES trial. And it was the first time, because it was such a robust study, and I talk about it in Eat So Healthy, where it was for the first time showed that actually nourishing the gut with heaps of different types of plants, not plants only, they still had oily fish, fermented dairy, loads of extra virgin olive oil, et cetera, but actually nourishing the gut with loads of plants. Um, in fact, the the amount of fiber they delivered, and remember the, the backbone of plants is dietary fiber, was incredibly high. So in the UK, we have like less than 20 grams of fiber a day. So it means we have quite little plants. The government recommends 30 grams. This diet gave 50 grams of dietary fiber from whole plants. They're not like a processed type. What they did is randomize half of the half of the participants who had moderate severe depression to this gut boosting diet with the 50 grams of fiber. It's very much around like Mediterranean diet. Um, and the other half got a befriending type of counseling. They followed both groups for 12 weeks and then they reassessed their mental health um, to see whether you know there was any difference. And it was really important they had this control group to make sure any benefit of the diet wasn't because they were seeing like a research dietitian, um, but actually because of the food. And what they found, those in the diet group, 32% of them had a significant improvement in their depression scores, which would have classified them as no longer clinically depressed. In the control group, that was about 8%. And you know, these people have moderate severe depression. Um, I just think that's so powerful as a, as a disclosure, they all mm-hmm. stayed on their antidepressant medication. So if anyone's listening to this going, oh, I'm just going to go cold Turkey, definitely don't do that. You know, it should give you hope that as an additional therapy, you know, it can be hugely powerful and certainly anecdotally in clinic, um, working with patients, GPs, I've actually gotten some of my patients off the antidepressants via just really nourishing, uh, their gut health. Now that's not the case for everyone because you know, mental health issues is very heterogeneous. Uh, but, you know, we now have this really strong evidence. So I think we should be talking about it more, about really trying to foster our gut diversity through loading it with the dietary fiber, which feeds the gut bacteria. They then in turn are thought to produce a range of different chemicals, which then are thought to some pass the blood brain barrier and can help stimulate more positive mindsets. Mm, okay. That's very, very encouraging. Very encouraging. If people are listening to this and thinking, I can't afford to eat that many plants. What would you, what would you say to that? 
Firstly, you're not alone. A lot of people think that way as well because there are many myths out there. And if you if you look at a lot of these health food stores, they'll want you to believe that. They'll want you to believe you have to buy their super expensive quinoa and mixed nuts and all of these fancy foods to have good health. But that is so against everything I believe in. There should be no price tag on health. It shouldn't be a case of you know, only the wealthy people can look after themselves. And it's a really big bug there. And in fact, in the book, I have a section on cost-saving hacks. And I actually share a study which compared the cost, the grocery basket cost of families who went on an intervention, which uh, was a plant-based intervention. So they reduced down the meat. And actually, they showed they saved money by going plant-based. But, you know, some of the hacks I talk about in the book is, you know, buying the the food, the plant-based foods that are in season, you know, and how you tell that, I do have a seasonal chart in the book, um, but actually it's by cost. So, you know, if strawberries are like four pounds for a punnet, they're not in season. That's so expensive. I would not be buying that. And then also things like, you know, just going down your, your mainstream local supermarket and checking out the products, you'll be surprised. Things like quinoa and buckwheat are actually available at no extra cost compared to a lot of the, the main wheats and pastas that we're having. You know, we, we need to be careful that we don't fall in um, to that belief that, yeah, you have to be wealthy to, to look after your health. Other things is like when you go to these vegan stores, they have like these vegan energy balls that are like three quid, like half a mouthful. Um, so in the book, I've got recipes where you make equally delicious ones, if not more delicious for like, 5p or something per serving um so i usually keep a few of them in my bag when i out when i'm going around because i hate being hungry and i don't want to pay a ridiculous amount um for something i know i can make so cheaply and easily at home yes yeah okay that's really good good to know and i guess if you're buying things like the kind of the fake cheeses or the you're going into whole foods and anything in whole foods is just probably overpriced, but there are other ways of, of doing it. It doesn't have to be really expensive. And yeah, I love that. That's a, that's definitely a focus in the book where you're kind of showing that it doesn't have to be, yeah, out of reach financially for people. Yeah. Also skill, skill wise, you don't have to be an amazing chef. Like I am an amateur chef. Um, so all my recipes kind of reflect that they are really easy. I don't use all these fancy techniques because again, you know, you shouldn't have to have gone to a, a nutrition school or, you know, a chef school to to be able to look after your body. Mm, yeah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I'm not very, yeah. Cooking. I keep, keep telling myself I need to get in, more into it. I'm more of an assembler, more of an yeah. assembler. Like some I of the- together. Yeah, some of the recipes actually that I'm interested in. You've got breakfast pita pizza in the book and veg fritters. That seems very manageable for me. So I'm definitely going to- going to try to make those yeah I definitely utilize the you know the stir fry mixes where it's already kind of mixed cut up it's like throw that in because yeah we all live busier and busier lives right even though you know often we're in lockdown I just feel like there's so many things going on probably social media not helping so you know we don't have time to like slave away in the kitchen and make all of this you know incredible food um but we don't need to for good gut health one question I quite often ask guests on this podcast is how how do they manage their stress? How what are, what are the things that you do in your life to to manage your your mental health and your stress levels? Yeah, look, I think this has definitely been something I've thought a lot more about since having Archie. So um, my little baby's now eight months and it's absolutely flown. But 
I now feel like such an idiot when I used to kind of say to people, yeah, spend like, you know, half an hour doing mindfulness every day because a lot of, you know, working parents actually don't have 30 minutes to sit and breathe. But what I do do personally is every night before, you know, in bed, my hubby's already asleep. I do 10 minutes of mindfulness uh, and that's just really manageable for me. And, you know, a lot of the breathing exercises I find not only help, you know, de-stress up here, but also de-stress the gut. Because if you know, I've been stressing thoughts all day, it really does strangle the gut. Um, and I, I don't get gut symptoms, um, but I notice that, you know, around really stressful periods, I might be more, um, slightly more vulnerable to extra bloating. And that really is that gut-brain axis at play. But I find that spending that 10 minutes can really help with that. And I know you, you know, have incredible uh you know strategies and recommendations about mindfulness you you certainly are a guru in that space thank you yeah yeah and it's a good reminder for anyone listening I think people don't necessarily realize the link between maybe things like bloating and stress levels or IBS so yeah good reminder that that you know, taking care of your stress levels can help with, with your gut and your diet can help with your mind. And it's all connected in that way. Yeah. Well, well, Chloe, we've spoken about it before, um, but in case the listeners haven't heard, you know, there is really impressive research around irritable bowel syndrome, which now affects around 10% of people and gut directed hypnotherapy. Um, So what they've done is in clinical research, they've compared gut directed hypnotherapy Uh, intervention with a diet, a medical diet, which we know works in the short term for people with IBS. And what they've shown over, um, uh, I think it was like a nine-week study, is that both groups had equal improvement in the IBS symptoms. Now, in clinic, when I see people, they always say to me, no, 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 it's only diet, it's only diet. And actually, in, you know, many cases, and according to this research, you can get equal efficacy, equal benefit by just learning to relax that gut-brain axis, which is actually one of the underlying causes or mechanisms of irritable bowel syndrome is a dysfunction between the gut and the brain. So interesting. So interesting. Thank you so much for everything you shared. It's such a fascinating topic. And this book is just going to be so helpful for people. And I hope the government take you on and then spread (laughs) the message far and wide about (laughs) our immune systems and our guts. Where can people find out more about you and anything else you want to share where people can connect with you? Yeah, so I'm at the Gut Health Doctor across all social media panels um, or you can jump online, theguthealthdoctor.com and I've got loads of free recipes and resources there. Um, If people are wanting to uh, get the book, then I would recommend pre-ordering it because Penguin have very nicely given a pre-order a little gift where you get this plant points planner magnet that you put on your, your fridge and it helps you over the week, you know, tally up how many different types of plants you're having. And we do, we do it with um, a lot of our, our friends and family, get a bit of a competition going, a healthy competition to see how many extra plants um, people can get into their diet each and every week. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much for everything you shared. Thanks, Chloe. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Bretheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. 
please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>